0: Uh, aren't you grateful for our worship team our worship band we just give a little praise for them give so much time and attention to our tech team every week. I was actually thinking about sleeping in today, but I'm so glad that I decided to get up and come on into church today. What a great blessing. Let me introduce myself if I've not had the opportunity to meet you. My name is Alan, and I'm one of the pastors here at Downtown Church, and I want to invite you this morning to take your Bible, if you have it with you, and find the book of Judges there in the Old Testament. The book of Judges may take you a couple of minutes to find it. The book of Judges in chapter number two. We are in a a teaching series that we're calling next but in many ways it's much more than a teaching series or a sermon series it is really a a strategy or a vision for downtown church specifically for the next 18 months. Now, this strategy will take us beyond the next 18 months. In fact, really, when you think about it, when I'm often asked as downtown church is kind of new, but it's established now, what is next for downtown church? What is next for our church? And back several months ago, I just began praying and seeking the scripture and asking the Lord, Lord, what is what is next for our Great church. And God began to show me through various scriptures, I believe, an emphasis or really uh, something we need to be very intentional about in the future. And it's really this, is that whatever is next for downtown church, it is to impact the next generations. What's next for downtown church is that whatever we do, it really needs to outlast us. Now, let me just take just a moment, and I want you to listen carefully. This is really not just about downtown church. It's really about me, and it's about you. Because I really began asking the Lord, Lord, what is next for Alan? And God began to show me that really in the, the remaining years of my life, it needs to be invested in, in that which will outlive me, and that for our church, it must outlive us. And, and maybe that's a word for you, is to live your life in such a way is that what you do outlasts you. To build something or be a part of something that is beyond ourselves. That, in other words, when we're gone, it still lives on. Let's think about the next generation. There are, there are a lot of good things that we can give our children. We can give our children a, a loving home, loving environment we can give our children a good education we can do everything that we can to give our children opportunities for themselves for the future but there's really one thing that that really lasts that we can give our children and that is a genuine faith when you think about what really matters what really lasts it's it's really a genuine faith Now let's just be honest, when we think about Christianity, when we think about a genuine faith, a real faith to to give to our children, to pass along to the next generation, can we be honest? That's becoming more and more difficult. And the reason that is becoming more and more difficult is because of the other voices that the next generation or our children are listening to. For example, today our kids are listening to the voice of secularism. And the voice of secularism basically is saying to our children, you really don't need God in your life. In fact, there really is no God, and God is not necessary. So there's this bombardment from every direction to our kids today, the voice of secularism that says that God is non-existent, God doesn't matter, and you don't really need God in your life. There's another voice that they hear over and over again. They're kind of bombarded with from every kind of direction and that is the voice of materialism the voice of materialism says Really everything that you need in life to be happy you can buy You can purchase it And so what really you need to do in your life is to put yourself in a position as you get older and as you grow to make as much money as you can because the things that you can buy will bring you and give you happiness. So think about that. I mean, we know that our children are listening to this voice over and over again, the voice of materialism. There is another voice that is bombarding our next generation, and it is the voice of hedonism. And that just simply is the philosophy of pleasure, happiness. Listen, if you want it and you think it will make you happy, then go get it and go do it. And our children are being raised to hear this voice that it really is all about your pleasure. It is all about your happiness. And these voices are bombarding our kids and this next generation. And it's becoming more and more difficult to pass along a genuine faith. As a matter of fact, I believe, in fact, it is statistically proven we are losing The next generation of Christians in America when I was spending time just with the Lord and and God what is next for downtown church and I've shared with you the last couple weeks there's multiple scriptures that the Lord showed me about impacting and being intentional about the generations to come about building something investing in something that will go beyond us but there's one particular verse of scripture that I read that gripped me that gripped my heart and it's found in the book of judges and i want you and i look at it together it's in judges chapter 2 and if you would stand for just the reading and holy reverence of god's word judges chapter 2 and verse number 10 and it says this and by the way he's referring to this what you and i are about to read is the generation after joshua judges chapter 2 verse number 10 And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel may God bless the reading of his word you may be seated I want us for the next couple of minutes to think about a couple of things and the first that I want you and I to think about is losing a generation losing a generation now, what haunts me and what's gripped me about the verse that you and I just read is that, let's remember, what he's talking about here is the generation after Joshua's generation. In other words, this is a generation. Now, listen to me. This is a generation of people who literally stepped in the Reverend Jordan at flood time and God stopped it. They crossed into the promised land. This is the same generation that watched God knock down the walls of Jericho. In other words, listen to me carefully. This is the generation that I witnessed miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And yet the Bible says that the next generation, their children, didn't believe, didn't know God, didn't follow God. Their children. Their children. Now, how is that possible? How is that possible for a generation to see the hand of God over and over again, eyewitness of God, but their children not know God, not believe God, not follow God? How in the world is that possible? Well, here's the truth one of three things happened one is that they just simply did not tell their children about God. They didn't teach their children about god or the things of god and it's one possibility for sure right but i have a hard time believing that i have a hard time believing that these parents who were eyewitnesses and even participated in the miracles of god i have a hard time believing that at nighttime they didn't sit around and tell the stories to their children So I really don't believe that they didn't do that. I don't think that they didn't tell their children. Now, there's a second possibility is that the children didn't listen. Now, that certainly is a very very real possibility, that maybe their their kids just ignored them. And certainly, I think that we can agree that there probably was a percentage of those children who just ignored their parents. We, We see that today, right? But what I'm going to suggest and what I really believe happened is this. And this is the third possibility. I believe that that generation didn't share their faith in a way that the next generation could understand it. Let me say that again. I just believe, this is my theory, this is what I believe to my core, that this generation just simply didn't share their faith in a way that the next generation could understand it and the reason i believe that is because that's what's happening today that's what's happening in our nation you see what you and i need to understand is that every generation is different every generation has its own music every generation has different heroes every generation has its own technology you see i in my generation i completely skipped the video game generation i mean when i was kind of growing up i had pong right that's really all we had and some of you have no idea what that is but for those of you a little bit older you would laugh you would you would you, i just missed it now when my children came along my two sons they were all into video games, and I bought them video games, but I just it just missed me. It just skipped me. So uh, my boys would say, hey, Dad, will not you come play this game with us? Well, I'd go upstairs, and we'd go to what we call the man cave, and they would invite me to play the video game with them. And they would often, by the way, invite me to play the video game with them. Why? Because I was so awful at it, right? Because I didn't grow up with it. I didn't play it. I didn't know what it was. They loved playing me because they would like beat me, whatever the game, 40,000 to nothing, right? They would just beat me. And uh, I ju- it just skipped my, it skipped my generation, skipped me. And so they would love playing with me because, in fact, I would just get beat so bad, no matter what it was. And I would just like, hey, I'm not playing anymore at all. And they're go, no, Dad, you're getting better. Snicker, snicker, laugh, laugh. I'm like, do you think I'm really getting, oh, yeah, Dad, you're a lot better than you were last time. Well, you know, now it's only like 30,000 and nothing, right? But every generation speaks its own language. Each generation has its own music, it has its own heroes, it has its own technology. And so we think about downtown church. As we think about the history of St. Francis Street United Methodist Church, there was a time in which this building was filled with people. And then there was a generation that went by in which this building, this church, closed. Now, was it because people didn't live in Mobile? No. But there was a generation that did not share its genuine faith in a way that the next generation could receive it, could understand it. As we think about downtown church and the future of downtown church, one thing that will absolutely never change, and that is the message that we will communicate, and you've heard it. You, you, if anything, if you've been around, if you read anything that we'll give you, it says that we are here. Downtown Church is here to connect people to Jesus Christ and one another. Downtown Church takes the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, and from our Lord Jesus, and we say, okay, that's why we're here. But what must change in the future is how we communicate that. And we have to be very intentional about communicating that message because the next generation may not get it, may not hear it, if the methods don't change. I mean, Joshua's generation didn't do that. That's what I believe. Listen to this statement, and I believe it. Christianity is just one generation away from extinction. Christianity is just one generation away from extinction. There's a whole generation out there in America that we are losing. And if we're going to be the church, not just for ourselves, but to impact the next generation, if we're going to be a part of something that will outlast us, then we have to come to the realization that we are in fact losing a generation. So if you and I would come to this place and say, you know what, Alan, you're right. As I look around, as I see what's happening in our nation, you're absolutely right. We are, as Christians, we are losing a generation. What do I do about that? There's two questions that we must ask. We have to ask ourselves. The first question is this, do I care? Do I really care about this generation? Do I care about this generation? Because normally, let's be honest, normally generations don't care about the next generation. Generations just care about themselves. We want what we want and we like what we like. Do I really care? when we lay out for you what is next for downtown church it's really what next is about it's about impacting the next generation and do I care do I care enough to be about it we have to do some things that will outlast us because one day I won't be here one day you won't be here one day we will not be here but people will still gather People will still sing. People will still be baptized. People will still be married. People will still have babies. So, what are we doing as a part of downtown church to make sure that what we do will outlast us? There's two questions that we have to ask Do I care? I mean, that's really not only the question I have to ask myself, it, it, that really is the question that God asked me Is Alan, do you really care about the next generation? Do I care about the next generation? That's what you have to ask yourself. And the second question, second question you have to ask is this. Is this book real? Is that book real? When we read this book, is it real? Let's be very candid. If it is not real, we need to close the book and close the doors and we need to go home. But if it is real... And there is a heaven and there is a hell and that God created every man every woman every boy every girl with a purpose then we have to do something about it as a matter of fact if this book is real and that God has a plan and God has a purpose and there's a reason for the church Christ died for the church he established the church Jesus we just sang, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If this book is real, then I must invest my life in what God has for the next generation. I must invest my life in people. Because as we talked about last week, that's what lives forever. Two things that will live forever, the word of God and people. Either in heaven or in hell but people will live forever so that's really what next is about it's a threefold strategy for our church the first is to improve our worship gathering and that is simply you and I have the opportunity to purchase this building so that it can belong not just on Sundays to downtown church but every single day 24 7 this building is downtown church And we can do weekday ministry, we can have events, we can reach the city, not just on Sundays. But also we just can't be about us, and so we will partner, With our other campuses, and our hope is in the next eighteen months is that there will be another church that is dying because that generation hasn't communicated faith in a way that the next generation understands it, and that particular church is dying. That we come alongside that church and we just impart some of our DNA in that church, and and partner with other churches to help bring life to that church. And then the third part of this strategy for downtown church is that we will impact the next generations. So let me tell you very specifically what it looks like. We're going to partner with a couple of organizations. One is our, our own Alabama Baptist Children's Home. Pastor Neil and I met with one of the directors this past week. We're meeting with another director this coming week to talk about some things that we can do specifically to help the Alabama Baptist Children's Home. In particular, orphan care, Foster care. The other is with our own Women's Resource Center. How can we save, protect, and rescue the most vulnerable? Here's what Downtown Church is going to do. We already have a growing, thriving children's ministry, but we want to really begin a student ministry. So in the coming weeks, we're going to be launching a student ministry here at Downtown Church. We're going to be very intentional about some things to impact the next generations so that downtown church isn't just a sunday church but is a church that has growing existing ministries that will impact the generations to come so we've got to do something or at least our part because we're losing a generation let's talk about winning a generation one of the things that i love reading about and i've read about in recent days and there's certain particular movies that were, that were out in the past that kind of describe the scene. And that is those land rush days of early American history. And if you've ever read much about that or maybe seen some movie depictions of that, that you would literally have hundreds of people line up on their, on their horses, some running, some with their wagons, and they would have stakes in their hands. And when the gun went off, they would rush to what? To stake their claim in their land. And they would stake their claim in their land that their land would be that family's land, but not just that family's land for then, but for literally generations to come. We We have homesteads across our nation that have been in the same family for generation and generation and generation and generation because that original family staked their claim. I love the idea of that because I believe that families today, and let me say this, your family needs to stake a claim. Our church, downtown church, needs to, I think in these days, need to stake a claim. Now we talked last week about different kinds of soil, different kinds of land, so let's, let's use that same analogy. I think there's different kinds of lands. I, I think there's the land of commitment. There, there's, a, there's a land that a family can stake their claim to that will bear fruit for generation after generation and it is staking the claim in the land of commitment. And what I mean by that very specifically is that mom and dad are believers, they're Christians. They're solid Christians. And their kids see it. A real, genuine faith. So mom and dad, they go to church. They don't just go to church, they're involved in church, they're serving in church. When there is a problem at home, guess what that family does? They pray about it. The children see it. The children witness a real, genuine faith. So the family, they pray together. They attend church, they're, they're engaged, they're serving. Mom and dad, they're actually, they're actually generous in the ministries of the church and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the kids see their parents being generous, tithing, being generous, involved. They see real ingenuity. Now, is mom and dad perfect? No, they're not perfect, but what they witness Is real faith. Even in times of trouble, even in times of difficulty, they, they, they see faith, watch this, they see faith lived out. So a few years ago, there was a study done. Bruce Wilkinson was kind of one of the ones kind of behind it, supporting it, paying for it, is that there was a study done. And that kids who witnessed that of their parents, real, genuine faith, prayer, faith giving serving going the vast majority of the children as they grew up followed and had a relationship with christ so there's the land of commitment the land of commitment when you stake your claim in the land of commitment studies have shown there is fruit for generations there's a second land it's the land of compromise There are families today who stake their claim in the land of compromise now this is when mom and dad are Christians but they're half-hearted they're half-hearted in their faith when they go to church they go but they're they're half-hearted the kids don't really see a lived-out faith with prayer with decision-making, with generosity, with serving, with missions. It's just simply half-hearted, half-hearted. Now, listen to this. The same study determined this. Listen carefully. This is going to blow your mind. The majority of those kids do not have a relationship with Christ. The majority do not. You say, Alan, what's your point? My point is this. My point is, it's very dangerous for your kids if you have a half-hearted faith. The vast majority of the kids in America don't have a relationship with Christ. It's the land of compromise. There's a third land that families can stake their claim, and it's the land of confusion. It's the land of confusion. It's when mom and dad are not Christians, they're not believers. There's no spiritual emphasis, there's no spiritual interest. The kids actually see nothing about a relationship with God and faith in Jesus Christ. And that's how they grow up. Now listen to this. Same study, same statistic, here's what they determined. Those kids when they grow up, there's a little bit of confusion because really what they determine is is that there has to be more. There has to be more than this. And those kids who grew up in that land of confusion, that when they grow up and they are invited to church or the gospel is shared with them, a great number of those kids come to faith in Christ or those The children as they grow up become followers of Christ. As a matter of fact, look up here. Just just catch my attention for a second. Listen to me. According to the survey, there are more kids that come to faith in Christ when their parents were not Christians at all. More of them come to faith in Christ than if their parents were Christians but they're half-hearted Christians. It's a very dangerous place to be. It's very dangerous for your kids to grow up in a home with half-hearted Christians. The likelihood that they would have a growing, genuine faith in Jesus Christ is more likely as if you weren't Christians at all. It's the world in which we're living. So you say, well, Alan... I don't, what do I do with that? Let me suggest three things. as we think about downtown church and you and me. I've just determined that my age and my boys are grown, I need to do every I need to be all in. I need to be all in if I believe this book is real and I genuinely care about the next generation, I need to be all in. So really what next is about is for you to be all in. Three things I would challenge you. Number one, join. If you're not a part of downtown church, can I ask you say this? Join, join downtown church. Second thing, join in. We have a lot of things happening. We have a lot of things going on. Growing preschool ministry, children's ministry. We're going to become more intentional about student ministry, but also impacting this this city. Part of the reason that we add David Cagle to our staff is so that he can help lead our church in impacting this city. Building relationships, impacting this city. Join in. Be a part of it. A third is to give. Give. Because everything that we're talking about doing, purchasing this building, launching ministries, will take resources. Join, join in. Number three, be generous. But let's impact. It grips me to think that we're losing a generation. And if I can do anything about it in my years that I have left, I wanna be a part of something that will outlast me. Because once again, I'll be gone, you'll be gone, but there'll people still meeting, people still getting married, still having babies, and baptisms. And I wanna be a part of that, even when I'm gone. I wanna build into that. Amen? Let's pray together, let's bow our heads together. I'm gonna lead us in prayer. When you leave today, our ushers are going to place in your hands two pieces of material. One is a brochure that describes in more detail what I've shared with you today. And the other is a commitment card. And we'll talk about it more next week. But I want you to pray. Do you need to join downtown church? Do you need to join in Do you need to say to Pastor Neil or Pastor David, hey, count on me, count on my family. We're all in. How can we serve? How can we be a part of this? And let's do it. Let's be a part of something that is bigger than us and that will outlast us. I'm gonna lead us in prayer. Pastor's gonna be here. We're gonna prepare our hearts for communion, for the Lord's Supper. And let us ask, am I all in? Do I care? Do I really care? Do I believe the book? Stand with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, I pray in these next moments, God, just as your spirit has gripped my heart, I pray that you would grip the hearts of these in this room that Lord, that we would care about the next generation, that would stop being selfish about us and what we like and what we want, that we would begin to care about this next generation that we're losing. And then if I believe this book, your word, that I'm gonna wanna invest and I'm gonna wanna give my life to advance the gospel, to advance the kingdom, to be a part of something bigger than just me. So God, thank you for what you're doing at Downtown Church, what you're doing in the lives of these people that are here this morning. And I pray that you draw us closer together and God, you give us a a one heart and, and one mind for one vision, one mission. And that, God, this time next year, we will be in all of what you have done, of what you have done, in and through downtown church. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together.